Middle Cough! Hey, B! We got a song, John! Yeah, we did. Our, our guy, uh... Our guy Bryce shot us over some, I don't even know what, I was going to say specs, but I don't even know if that's the right word. Just some beats. Some beats. Some beats. AKA Bonafide, Bonafide Music. That's Bryce Doherty. Yeah, we appreciate it, Bryce. And, uh, you know, we're open for takers. We're going to let this rock and roll. You guys can up the game, then fire us over. Your emails are on our Twitters. Uh, but yeah, appreciate the appreciate the the tunes, Bryce. Sounds good. He sent us uh, four different beats. I really like this one. This one's called Stash Spot. Yeah. Um, he also had sounds one like called Marquis like Bouncy. Oh, I know. <laughs> I like what it is. Marquis Bouncy was the name of one, but I like this. So, Bryce, I think the Marquis Bouncy's. Didn't the bouncies both? I think they dual retired. Yep, the two of them. They, they yeah. did a tandem retiring. <laughs> yeah, they they're pretty tight. Even though they you obviously can't play on the same team when you're both centers, but uh, feels <laughs> like they're the Morris twins, but way better. And they're just both. They just kind of operate on the same level. We also have uh, God. There's so much to get to before we say anything else. Mel Kuiper. Junior, you read it right. You heard it right. The Godfather, John, he is on the podcast today. It doesn't suck. It doesn't suck at all. Very, uh, very excited to talk to Mel Kuyper Jr. How cool is hard this, to beat, man. guy? It's hard. How to cool beat. is this? Uh, we'll just. I'll pref. That's all we'll say about it. He can't. He brought it. He brought it. Yeah. It was. Uh, we've always loved him. Been. I was. I'm so impressed with the guy after getting to talk to him on the phone. Pros, pro. I mean, knows his shit. Legend. He just, he made an industry out of nothing, right? And I think he, in in a indirect way, for as much as like guys like me that got the opportunity to work in the league, you like, you don't necessarily aspire to be a GM when you're 10 or 12 or 13. You're following the draft through Mel Kuyper Jr., right? You're watching TV. You're watching him talk draft picks. You, you read guys like Phil Steele, like that. You, you, you find those guys before you go, I want to be like Bill Polian. I mean, that's, I didn't think that. Right. It was more Mel Kuyper Jr. and Mayock and those, but Mel was way before Mike. And it was just, it made it cool. Made the yeah. draft cool. It made the draft something that, you know, obviously in the NFL, they profit off it. Guys like me and you make money off just talking about it, 365. He helped make the draft a big fucking deal. Yes. He deserves a lot of credit. Yep. Elevate the whole NFL, right? And I think when you when we just talked to him, the one thing that stands out, and we were talking about it before we hit record, uh, just coming to do this pod, I'm blown away by the passion the guy has. You know, he's over 60. He's been doing it since the late 70s. And the way that, um, as you'll listen to this interview, that he talks about, whether it's Justin Fields, Trey Lance, he talks about Trey Lance like I'm sure he would have. Peyton Manning in the late 90s. I don't mean like the player. I just right, mean right. the passion of or a guy. John in the Elway 80s. in 84. It, yeah, it's incredible the passion this guy has for just Mac Jones or Devontae Smith or whatever. I mean, that's didn't that stand out to you? Just yes. how much he loved talking yes. to these players? Yes. And it wasn't when we got him before we started recording the interview. Uh, it's how he was talking to us before we hit record. That That's just him. This is not a show. He understands the show. He gets the entertainment value, but it's him. It's real. And I think that's really cool. 
I mean, it's just it, it's a good life lesson. To anyone, if if you're passionate and energetic about what you do, it, you're naturally probably gonna you know be good at it just because you're gonna look to improve. It it stands out, and I don't know if you some people lose it, right? I I don't know if I'd have that passion talking football in my sixties, but he's God, he has it. <laughs> okay, John. A few other things before we get to Mel iTunes. Give us a subscription uh, there. If you're not subscribed already, rate it, review it. This is how you mailbag it, folks. This is the mailbag. Put a question on iTunes for the mailbag. We'll get to another mailbag this week. I do get some IGDMs and people saying, hey, I have Spotify. So you could send some of those too. Maybe we'll work those in. But iTunes reviews get the priority in the mailbag. I'm right going now, to, uh, I think I'm going to order Spotify, not order, but just subscribe this purchase. Week. Then I'll, then I'll check it out. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel. We got a bunch of different content up there. We put up on Monday. We got a few spots left in our DraftKings game. Sign up there with code ham before we go any further speak. Since Mel's going to be on the, on the show today, Mel Kuyper is officially now one of our guys, team ham. Yeah. One of our guys, John, we've got a lot of stock in Hunter Bishop. I'm going to show you something now. Maybe everybody can hear it. Bish Music, John, two days ago. Can you see my iPad here? Yep, Giants up 6-1. Here we go. Seventh inning. He gets his first extra base hit of the spring. Look how sick he looks at the plate, first of all. Well, he he Instagram pictures of him running around. He looks like a badass. Uh, oh! 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 Get to, get to the wall. Oh, oh. You can't get it in. You can't bring it into Hunter Bishop's kitchen. If he makes his debut, number ninety-five, Middlecoff. <laughs> we might have to change the number, but uh, if we get to the bigs, you know how typically the Giants have been great at this forever, forever. Is he is he like a defensive tackle? I actually kind of like the ninety-five. Oh! you know how his parents, you know, are brothers and sisters or uncles. <laughs> there's always they're always the line of people. You want to go to that? Like yes. say, hey, bro, can we go? We'll pay for tickets. We just want to sit by your line? family so we can be. Yeah, on your TV. brother. Cousin, I don't care who goes. I just want to be there. And then they finally get, even if it's like a little knee knocker down the, you know, down to third yeah. base, but it's it's safe and he gets a hit and everyone stands up That's and right. cheers. And like Amy G will be there interviewing us that and we'll be sitting behind just <laughs> yeah. doing weird we'll be claps. Free, we'll be, be freezing because it'd be fog They're and like, cold. And- who are those people <laughs> high-fiving? I want to do that. All right. I like it. It's a great idea. Good job, Bish. boy. Atta boy. Hum, baby. All right, kid. Baseball talk, John. I like a little baseball talk. Podcast brought to you by MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. MyBookie.ag, promo code HAM and the number one. NCAA tournament starts next week. Next week, the NCAA tournament will be here. Conference tournaments, Pac-12 tournament begins on Wednesday. I'll be locked in on that one. Uh, the Players' Championship is this week, and the I mean the crew of guys is huge, right? You won Bryson on a live bet last week. Are you looking at the uh, mybookie.ag promo code ham one players odds right now? Well, I was I was pulling it up, guy, because after Bryson put the extra seven hundred dollars into my account, I'm looking now. There's three hundred dollars because I've made four hundred dollars worth of bets, <laughs> and I, I, I've dabbled a little here, I've dabbled a little there. There are there's fantastic value. I've been watching a lot of coverage. This tournament is like anyone can win. A guy like Bryson or a guy like Kevin Kisner's been runner-up here. Ricky Fowler's won. Tiger's won. Like, it's just Rory's won. Like, there's not... It's just you got to be playing really well. Like, the Abe Answer, I, I put a top 10 bet on him. $25. Pays $325. Same with Kisner. $50. Pays $500. Just the top 10. I'm also... You know a guy... 
uh, that I'm putting, I put a hundred dollars on Bryson to is miss Justin, the cut? Th- Justin Thomas oh. to win the thing. I like it because Justin Thomas, the last couple years has been pretty consistently right up there with DJ. I'd say in Rory as like a nine to a 12 to one type guy. Well, he's playing shitty right now, or at least his last couple tournaments have been bad. He's had a lot. His grandpa died. Tiger's good buddy. He just hasn't played that well. He's 20 to one. Like those are not Justin Thomas. He had the, he had odd, the controversy right? right on the yeah the the, uh, oh, the, the live Ralph mic lost his sponsorship with Polo. Yeah, so it's just I, I just think twenty to one that that value. Justin Thomas is not typically a twenty to one guy. He, to me, he's at worst he's usually like a twelve to fourteen to one. So twenty to one, the value there is fantastic. And then you know just Jason Days and the Ke- Keegan Bradley. 150 to 1. I just threw $25. He's been playing well. He did. $25 guy well pays 3700. Can I tell you something? Yeah. This is the week Tony Finau wins. I put a top 5 bet on him. 20 bucks pays 560 on Tony. Top 5, top 5. Of course, top 5. This is the week Tony Finau wins finally. I've been thinking about I go back and forth about putting a couple hundred dollars on him to win the Masters. We've talked about this before just because like all the top guys were like Eight to one, nine to one. DJ was like six to one. Rory's like nine to one. Finau's thirty-three to one. Now, listen, he he's won the Puerto Rican Open, but would if if it's going in the last four or five holes of the Master and Tony Finau's tied with the lead with one of those guys, no one's going to be shocked. That value thirty-three to one, because all it takes if he just wins like a players, he'll just he'll go they'll cut that thing in half. He's a win away from going from like 33 to ones to like 18 to ones fast, right? His value right now is the best on the board. But the pushback is like, well, Johnny never actually wins. Well, yeah, he's going to. He's going to. He's going to. I'm betting on him this week, I believe. Do you have a long shot in the the, uh, just overall NCAA tournament? Non like Gonzaga, Florida State team, Michigan? To win the title? Florida State. Florida State probably. uh, They might be a five seed, so they actually might be a good long shot. Oh, Florida State's not a one. No. Um, do we have national? Uh, what are our national championship odds right here? Yeah, I remember right we here. looked. Gonzaga was like two. Yeah, to and one. Gonzaga should be the heavy favorite. Uh, why don't I see them here? M- Michigan's right up there. Why don't I see Gonzaga? What's going on here? Do you do you see they Gonzaga? Like, they're like alphabetical order. Oh, okay, that's what it is. Thank you. Yeah, so if you just go to alphabetical order, you know who's good again this year is Loyola Chicago. Remember them from a couple years ago, Sister was Jean. Gra- oh, I was going to say Granny Jane, yeah. Sister, Sister Jean. Jean. Yeah, they're good again this year. They're like a top twenty-five. Gotcha. They've been top fifteen, top twenty-five team in that range. All One thing long. that's amazing about college basketball is a program like that that has a moment. They typically go on then a run. Sometimes in college football, it's like, oh, this team had a year and then they just disappear. In basketball. It feels like you can parlay that off just a couple. Butler more did it back to back years. Wichita State's been. I mean, Wichita State's just been good. But I'd say Boise was the one football team. But it happens a lot in college basketball. Mm-hmm. We're like, oh, this team's just in the playoffs, or you know, like uh, Davidson's probably not a great example, but there's just teams like that. You know, Loyola Chicago, this Lehigh VCU. Remember, was had, yeah. had a good stretch. Um, I don't have that a great long shot. That guy, I, Gonzaga, you know he I think, was a fake bald guy. I found that out uh, recently, yeah, when we found out together, I think, on Twitter. I was stunned. Oh, this year, I guess we found out, right? Yeah, this yeah year, I, honestly, I... Stunned. I, I, lost some, I lost some respect for Shaka. Just wants to be one of you guys. 
I know, but I, I just, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like he was lost. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it. Maybe he related to players better that way. He thought maybe on the recruiting trail, relate to dad. I don't know. I don't know either. Now he's got like a fro. Last you know, time I saw him, coach, I put my my trust in you because I thought you were a bald man like me, a man of honor. And now I found out you had hair this whole time. I know. You'd have to come back with like a Harbaugh type line. It just helped me not even think about it. I didn't have to wash my hair. There is something to be said for that. Like the fact that Steve Jobs never shaved. Oh, I guess he did have. He did. But I I don't know if he chose to do it first and foremost. You know, he always just same turtlenecks. It wore the same thing every day. Um, I'm surprised that uh, what's her name? Theranos didn't shave her head. You know, she was did the Steve Jobs thing, wore the same outfit every day. Yeah, she should have done it. Yeah, she should just inefficiency, you know? Tell you, yeah. my dad, peanut butter and jelly every day. Don't even think about it for lunch. Might have put people off the scent a little bit, though, if she had shaved her head. I think people might have, might <laughs> have like, Whoa. a little closer. <laughs> you know, <laughs> might have backfired on her. Okay. All the old guys on the uh, on the board of trustees would have been like, oh. Yeah. She was getting a lot of cash from a lot of randoms. All right. Time to get Dive to it. the mail? Yeah, let's do it. It is great to have Mel Kuyper Jr. on the show, which is fantastic. And Mel, we appreciate it. Do you Are you just as excited for this draft as you were for uh, 1984's draft? Oh, boy. I tell you, it's a lot different. It's probably the most, uh, in ter- terms of a, a draft that is none, none like any other. I mean, there's been no draft compared to this one in terms of the least amount of information you have in any draft I've ever prepared for. Uh, you know, here we don't even know the accurate measurables of players yet. We've already would have had the combine. We have pro days starting and pro days now. Can you, can you go by the numbers you get? Are they verified? They're not apples to apples. So, uh, the opt outs complicated this draft. I've called it mysterious. I've called it uh, a draft where you talk about limited information, which is something that obviously is very dangerous when you start talking about drafting players early that you don't maybe know enough about. You couldn't have any contact with the opt-outs this year. So it was, I'd say a mysterious slash complicated draft is the way I would describe this one. You know, what's crazy, Mel, is, you know, I, I remember hearing stories about how Al Davis back in the day had people all over the country. It was like his own human Internet. And when you first got into involved covering the draft, information was a lot harder to come by. Now, you know, where we sit now, it's a lot easier, right? The information is, is, is everywhere. Did, did you ever imagine when you first got into it, the draft would not only become what it became, but just the information would flow like it now flows? I don't know about the because you know back in eighty when I started in nineteen seventy eight when I started doing this and uh, you know of course with ESPN in eighty three eighty four eighty three season eighty four draft but I was seventy eight season seventy nine draft is when I actually started in this business and no I mean you really had uh, had the big dish and I had the things going on I was trying to find games and get uh, tapes sent from schools and do all the things you did back then uh, that was a lot different obviously than now and uh, you know when you talk to teams it would be you know a heck of a lot different it was more like you say it was more over the phone type things. I mean, you were talking to people. I was getting to know people at schools, and now everything's done differently. And I think those those relationships that you build. I've known some of these guys for forty years because I talked to them on the phone. It wasn't just through the internet or texting or emails and this and that. Actually, you picked up. Don't I used to spend two hours on the phone every day during those years to get if I needed to know how many tackles for loss and sacks or catches, average per catch a player may have, a receiver, pass rusher. I had to call it school, so I was on the phone two hours about every other day with schools trying to get basic statistical information as you can get in a second now. So, yes, you had to work a lot harder then. You had to build relationships, which was made it a lot better. So it was good and bad, but you know, it's, a lot of time you did spend was wasted time. It's not now, but I think the relationship building, I noticed, was a lot better then than it is now. 
when, when I was at Cal Poly, Mel, when Chris Gokong was coming out, I, I was walking through the SID's office, and I vividly remember Eric Burdick got a call, and it was Mel Kuyper Jr. on, on the phone asking information about Chris <laughs> Gokong. This wasn't even that long ago. You know, this was 15 years ago. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what you did, and uh, yeah, that's what I always did. But I still do. I still do it. I'm still old school, and I'll still call schools in August and talk to them and try to get stuff that you didn't know. And I always like to have them rank guys and, and who do they think some of the young guys are so you can get a beat on those guys before they're stars, before they're national names. And you can chart their progress, not just worry about the final year when they come out for the draft. So I have I'd always had a way of doing that, which I thought was good for also to all the other shows you do during the course of the year that aren't even uh, about the draft. And we do college football and NFL stuff all year, and it's not always related to the draft. So when you start to talking about teams in August, September, it's good to know who those young guys are, some of the Chuco kids coming in, who they were. And uh, so, yeah, the calls in August and July are something I always do. I find I get my, most of the work done, a lot of my work done, in May, June, July, and August when you know, the phones weren't ringing crazy. You can sit back and look at games, look at players, and relax and, and get a good head start on the season. Well, I mean, this last year, I'm sure you had coaches and uh, team personnel. Sometimes they probably had plenty of time to talk. They just didn't have much to talk about. Some of these teams out here on the West Coast played four games, uh, Mm -hmm. and the coaches spent all their time on Zoom. What do you think? And John and I have talked about this for several months, trying to wonder, ultimately, when we arrive at the draft, will teams value these picks in a different way than they have in past years? What do you think is being missed most, will be missed most, by the time we get to this draft in terms of the evaluations. I think the thing is, how do you compare an opt-out to a player who went out and performed all year? And we have battles at various positions. And Caleb Farley, Virginia Tech, against a Patrick Sertan from Alabama. A Gregory Rousseau, Miami defensive end, against a Jalen Phillips, who came out of Miami this year as a defensive end, actually took his number. Uh, well, how do you deal with those guys that didn't play, uh, as opposed to the guys that did play? I mean, you have maybe seven or eight first-rounders who opted out. A Joe Tryon needed another year at Washington, didn't play, uh, to really develop his skills. Uh, I said the same thing about Rousseau. I'd love to see Rousseau back up what he did in 2019 with another great year, work on his takeoff, work on using his hands better, uh, all those things that you needed to do with Tryon as well. Very super raw, incredibly raw, needed another year. So are you going to gamble on those guys that with another year could have been really highly regarded, but you like what you saw in the one season, you didn't have a year to build on it. How do you deal with those guys? Uh, do you push them down a little bit? Do you, do, you, do you side with the guys who played as opposed to the guys that didn't if it's a close call in terms of their final rating what happens in the third or fourth round do you look at okay i'd rather have a pick next year if I'm in the fourth round now, I'd rather have a three next year, knowing more about the player than a four this year. So if a team's you know, high on a guy and they want to give me their three next year for a four this year, I'll take it. So it'll be anxious, I'm anxious to see how many moves we have in those third, fourth, fifth round when you talk about teams wanting to acquire more picks for next year, when it would be more normalcy. We'll be back to the, the way we always did it, I suppose, this year, which was, like I say, the most mysterious and, and most complicated way we've ever done it. Yeah, yeah, you Mel, know next, next year when the players are coming out on gondolas, <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It'll be, we'll be in, hopefully, I don't know if we're being Cleveland, we're scheduled to be in Cleveland this year, which will be, uh, you know, back to the way the draft was after being virtual last year, and of course Las Vegas next year, uh, the year for 2022. Uh, but it's interesting you brought up next year, because I really thought like a Trey Lance could have played this year and been in the 2022 draft and then maybe been the number one overall pick. So there's a guy, and I said this uh, in the last month or so, that there's the, the most fascinating prospect I've ever graded. It is Trey Lance. I mean, what do you go by? 
guy. You're going by 2019. You have one game this year. He wasn't impressive. He's only 20 years old. He's only had 17 starts, coming from the one AA level. And you're talking about a top 10 pick. We have never had that before in the history that I can remember of the of the draft going back way into the 70s. Well, let's start with Trey. Uh, what do you see? What do you see in Trey when you watch him from that two years ago when he was a full time starter, just for the one year? And what do you think everyone's going to be looking for? I think his pro day is coming up at the end of this week. Yep. Uh, what are you looking for in Trey Lance? Well, I think the accuracy, precise throws that you didn't necessarily have to make in North Dakota State. He was a little off in, in terms of his accuracy at times. He was below 56-5 in five games in 2019 at the 1AA level. Uh, this year, 15-30 in the one game he played against Central Arkansas. Now he brought him back in that game with his legs. Uh, he's had 15-17 starts where he, he, he attempted attempted 23 or fewer passes. I mean, his rushing numbers, his, his ability to run with the football is, is tremendous. He's got a live arm. Uh, you know, he, he's only 20 years old. Uh, he's certainly going to keep getting better. I would have loved to have seen him go to Ohio State and, and follow fields and play this year or go to Texas with Sark and play in 2021 and go into the 2022 draft. Like I said, probably is a guaranteed number one pick overall. Uh, but right now, you, you only have 17 starts. As you guys know, that's a dangerous number uh, you know, coming from the 1AA level. Uh, you know, like I said, there's still some things he has to work on. Uh, he'd only throw one career interception. That was this year against Central Arkansas. But the level of competition – Minimal starts, only 20. Accuracy needs to keep improving, which obviously some quarterbacks have worked on once they've gotten to the NFL, and they've uh, adjusted that and improved that. So, uh, yeah, but I think for Trey Lance, you're rolling the dice that in, in a couple years, after a year of sit, watching, and learning, which I think you'll need to do, sit, watch, and learn for one year, uh, that you're gambling, hey, we could have maybe hit the, we were getting it number nine or number 12, maybe a guy who could have been number one had he gone back and played this year. So you can reconcile that and feel good about that if you want, but either, however, you look at it he is a roll of the dice this early in the draft one thing i've heard mel about his specifically the player is a little hitchy release his release isn't that smooth do you notice that a little bit. I think that's something you can work on, and I think, you know, obviously he's under center, he's doing his things running around. He seemed always to be a guy who re- responded to tougher situations, at least he, even in that uh, environment at the 1AA level. He had like three or four close games, and the game against Central Arkansas this year was close. So mechanically, I thought he had a live arm. Uh, I thought his, the ball jumped out of his hand. I thought he could make any throw you wanted to make. Uh, I'm not that concerned. They hit, to me, that type of thing, Bill Polian always told me, don't worry about that. And, uh, you know, that was something that you look at, you say, you don't want to affect that. You don't want to alter that. It's the feet working with, obviously, everything that goes into throwing a football and, and being loose with his accuracy at times is something I think he needs to, definitely needs to improve. And his ball placement and his being precise, uh, yeah, that needs to improve. But that's something I think you look at and you say, another year, what would another year of playing a full season have done for him? Uh, could he have obviously worked on some of those things, shown that, they, okay, the 17 starts all of a sudden would have been you know, 25 starts, 26 starts, uh, 27 starts. That would have been a lot better than 17. So I think one more year would have benefited him in a, in a lot of different ways. But I agree, there's some things to work on. He's a little raw at time, you know, when you look at him projecting him. But you're getting a kid who's only 20 and will come into the draft as a guy. I think you would all, in the old days we would call him a developmental uh, quarterback who needs a couple years. And like I say, Mahomes even sat for a year coming out of Texas Tech. So it's not like, oh, I guess you got to sit him for a year. Well, Mahomes redshirted his first year except playing in that final game. And Mahomes was much further along than Trey Lance is as a passer. So for me, that's 
what you need to do. They always say, hey, no quarterback is going to sit anymore. Well, that's true. But in Trey Lance's case, I think he needs to. So, Mel, your last mock draft, you had him at nine. You you still, with everything you said, you feel like he's a top 10 level pick. We look at some of this stuff where we are from a Niners perspective, and they pick 12. Obviously, you had him moving up to seven. But you still view, would you, you, you're saying you'd be surprised if Trey Lance is not in the top 10. Is that is that fair? I think it's fair. I think 12 would be as far as I could drop him. I thought going up to get Fields, who played at Ohio State, played at a much you know, higher level of competition, obviously, had a great year in 2019. This year, with the COVID interruptions, I think that affected him in a couple games. Uh, and he came back and played great against Clemson until he got hurt. And they got through that and still uh, you know, was able to lead them to that victory over Trevor Lawrence. So I would go Fields over Lance. Uh, yeah, I think Lance is at the, of that five, group of five. He's right there with Mac Jones. Uh, I would have Fields and Wilson in there, or mm-hmm. Fields and and Wilson, and then I would go to Mac or Lance next. I haven't finalized that rating yet, but I'm pretty solid in the top group. I have Lawrence one, Fields two, and Wilson three. That goes against the grain a little bit. A lot of people have Wilson two, Fields three or four. So, uh, you know, it varies. Fields is kind of all over the place with rankings. I'm going to stick with him at two. I'm not going to get off Justin Fields. I can get off Josh Allen. I can get off Justin Herbert. I'm not getting off Justin Fields just because of two subpar games and a career that I thought, for the most part, was phenomenal. You had a good, uh, I guess, a rant on on TV a couple weeks ago that I know Niners fans got excited about, about Justin Fields and talking anticipatory scouts. And I think back to Josh Allen, who Mortensen tweeted out, he was the 10th highest graded quarterback you've ever had because you saw the future. And that's the scout's job. It's not to evaluate the player now. It's what he's going to be talking 21, 22-year-olds. And Justin Fields, like like Allen, like Herbert, like some of these guys, Mahomes, not comparing him to Mahomes, but just a raw talent who has a huge upside. Is that fair to say that you think Justin Fields, you get a guy like Kyle Shanahan, the sky's the limit? I do, I do. I think with his uh, speed, he's going to run in the four-four range, and his, his passion for the game—he loves the game of football. He studies the game hard. Uh, I think all those things could lead to Justin Fields in the right environment. That's a key for a lot of these guys, and we always forget it. Always goes back, and uh, you know this. Uh, it always goes back to the scouts and the evaluators. How about the coaches or the system? Or, and nobody ever talks about that enough. They always say, they always say, well, the coach helped them. But how about the coaches can can be a detriment at times, not going to the right situation, not having stability or continuity. So it's always on the scouts. Oh, they. they they blew it. They didn't get it right. Well, sometimes these quarterbacks would have been somewhere else instead of where they went. I always say, what Dan Marino's career looked like if he had gone to the Detroit Lions instead of fullback James Jones, who they took. He ends up going to Don Shaw and the Miami Dolphins at the end of the first round. You know, what would have happened? Because I, I tell you this, Paxton Lynch almost was a Kansas City Chief. They tried to move up to get Paxton Lynch. The next year, they got Patrick Mahomes. Well, guess what? If they would have gotten Paxton, have gotten Paxton Lynch, they wouldn't have drafted Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes wouldn't have been a Chief. So how history changes everything. I always say, what would Nick Saban's career have been in my Miami had he signed Drew Brees instead of Dante Culpepper and brought in Culpepper. So, you know, Brees probably would have been winning and maybe Nick Saban would have never been at Alabama. So history could have been rewritten as certain things could have happened. And certainly with some of these quarterbacks over the years, had they gone to the right situation, they might have had a better opportunity. And some of these kids that hit well maybe went to the perfect spot. So uh, that's what you hope with Shanahan. And if you're a quarterback going to Kyle Shanahan, you feel like you got a pretty – if you're going to be good, that's a pretty good place to say, I got my best opportunity for success. John, we take a quick break from Mel Kuyper to tell everybody to go to American-Giant.com where you can get 15% off when you use the promo code HAM. I'm wearing my American Giant Slub t-shirt right now. I love a good slub. And they've got so many great color options. American-Giant.com. 
promo code ham, 15% off. I got multiple V-neck t-shirts delivered. They fit fantastically. They have fantastic material. Also got a pair of sweatpants that are pretty cool. They feel very, very soft. Not a bad purchase at all. That's a good idea. And uh, uh, the hoodie. The hoodie is thick. It's going to last. I'm impressed. American-giant.com. American-made guy. Think about that. In 2021, everyone's going overseas, getting cheaper product. Not our guys. They're, they're keeping it here. They're keeping it in the 50 states. And they're keeping the American worker employed. Choose How do you eat that? It's, it's, you know, over the years, especially the last few years I've tried, it's hard. It's hard if you try to find only American-made stuff. It's difficult. Not a lot of people are doing it. American Giant is doing it. Sometimes you'll see designed in the United States. It doesn't mean made in the United States. Choosing American Giant means supporting a supply chain that's 100% in the USA. They take a stand for conscious consumerism, hardworking people, local communities, and quality clothes made to last. Get 15% off your first order when you use the promo code HAM at American-Giant.com. That's 15% off when you use code HAM at American-Giant.com. So many great options for the fellas, for the ladies, whatever your fit, whatever you, uh, whatever your style. I actually went to the American Giant store the other day on Chestnut Street. Adam, who was in there that day, was fantastic, showing me all around. You can see the gear right now at American-Giant.com, promo code HAM. All right, back to Mel Kuyper Jr. How would you rank coming out? I know you love Josh Allen, but just Josh Allen, Herbert Fields. Would you put him in that class of just raw tools? Yeah, I think Josh was was I thought underestimated for this reason. I you know he had I said this back in August before his final year at Wyoming. He had lost his center Chase Roulier, Brian Hill their their running back, Jacob Hollister their tight end, and Tanner Gentry wide receiver, all of whom played in the NFL. Three are still playing in the NFL. Gentry had a shot and played and stuck with the Bears for a couple of years. So again, you're talking about you know some studs around a quarterback at Wyoming. You lose those guys, you cannot reload. A Craig Bull wasn't able to just fill in with those guys with guys who are going to be NFL caliber stepping in. So they went to Iowa that first game, and he didn't have those guys. They were good in the NFL, and Josh struggled. But you're a quarterback. A quarterback can only be as good as the people around him, especially against much better opposition. And people were then were saying, "Oh, look how look how horrible he looked against Iowa and a couple other games." Well, he didn't have anything. And what impressed me with him was when he when they lost two games at the end of the year against bad teams, he didn't play. He had the shoulder injury. He comes back for the bowl game when he didn't need to, and he leads them to an easy victory. So he was the difference maker with that team. Yes, he needed to work on some things, which he did. That's coaching. That's what Brian Dayball and Ken Dorsey did for him. And adding Stefan Diggs really helped. But he had made progress prior. It was all Diggs. Josh had made big progress from year one to year two that went unnoticed by a lot of people. But in terms of Justin Herbert, I had a made, I made a call out there. A guy I had known for, again, relationship building. I had known this guy for 30 years. He was close to the program. I said, what, what's Justin Herbert? He'll say he's shy. He's not the great leader. Hmm. Whenever he said, Mel, these kids love Justin Herbert. They go through a wall for Justin Herbert. So you don't have to be, you know, this this alpha quarterback to be a leader and be respected. You you can, there's other ways. You know, go out and do your job, study, perform, and you're a leader. And to me, uh, that's what a lot of people I think uh, overrated with Justin Herbert. Always shy, he's reserved. He's he's not the guy that comes that commands a room. You know, he's not a great leader. That was all things that people missed on. You don't have to be this rah rah guy uh, jumping around, you know, hopping around doing all those things to be considered a leader of your football team in that locker room is that what you think had him behind Tua if he had been viewed as that guy would he have gone ahead of Tua I don't think so. I 
I think with Tua, it was almost like the people locked in. And Tua still, obviously, this year is going to be a different quarterback. Tua, I thought, should have medically redshirted. I mean, coming off that hip, he was only eight months removed from that serious significant surgery when they put him out there at Miami this year to play. And people are talking about his lack of arm. I mean, how are you going to throw the ball as well as you did prior to the injury when you got all those issues, from, especially that hip coming back from? So I think you will see a different Tua in 2021 than you saw in 2020. At least he got out there and he played. He saw NFL defenses, and maybe that will benefit him. I would have medically redshirted him for a year. I said that back last April. But I think Tua is still to be determined. I mean, Justin looked great, and, and no question about it. Justin Herbert was, a, was a magical out there. What you saw from him, you haven't seen much from, from young quarterbacks. I mean, what Marino did after game six, his, his rookie year, was unbelievable. What Justin Herbert did was you know, beyond belief. I mean, it was just phenomenal. So I think uh, that's, that's where you say for the Chargers. They, they know they have the right guy. That's why I think the, to step in there as a new head coach and have Justin Herbert. Now, you're in a division with Mahomes. You're in a division with Carr. Denver's got to figure it out. But you know, hey, well, you got Mahomes. Well, we got Herbert. And we think we can match you point for point. So that's, that's a pretty good spot to be in for the Chargers moving forward. Okay, Zach Wilson, I think we all know the level of competition is a question mark, but the thing I've heard in NFL circles is is the size, and he, he's closer to 200 pounds, and you talk Fields, Lawrence, I mean, those guys are big, strapped athletes. Does that concern you with Zach Wilson, the size? Yeah, yeah, I think he had the shoulder surgery in 2019, January of 2019. He had some – the thing that also he worked on and he improved, I give him credit for this, his, his pocket awareness was, was iffy. I mean, he had some games where he would be loose with the ball. He had four fumbles, three lost. He had some bad interceptions. Uh, he just was not sensing and feeling things the way you needed to, and he improved a lot this year. Now, he had all day in some games. I mean, they were routing teams. They was pitch and catch. I, like I said, he was playing cupcake after cupcake. I said, hey, sugar levels should have been through the roof with all the – cupcakes they played because it was just ridiculous We're week in and week out watching them just run now they had a couple close games along the way uh the coastal carolina game they lost they didn't score in the second half after having a lead at halftime uh so you look at zach i i love what he did this year i love the arm strength i love the, the quick release i love the you know he's pretty he's a very accurate quarterback he's mobile yeah. he's a basketball player in high school love all that but to, to say that he's right now the better quarterback than some have even said he's a better than trevor he's a better prospect than trevor I think that's going way too far for me. Everybody has the right to their opinion, and that's they want to believe that. Fine, I can disagree with it. I, I respect it, but does it respectfully disagree? I think you know, every, we always see that. Meyer Bledsoe, when they came out, we saw you know Manning, uh, Peyton Manning and Ryan Leaf. Uh, it was a split, as you guys know, around the league on that one. But the, even the, when you go back to uh, Andrew Luck, RG3, some liked RG3 at the end of the process a little more than, than Peyton than, the, than Andrew Luck. So, again, we always seem to have this when the top quarterback, the other guy, maybe some people like a little bit better. But for me, I still stick, as I said earlier, with Justin Fields, too. I'll put Zach in at three in terms of the quarterback rankings. And then Mac Jones and Trey Lance vying for that fourth-fifth spot with Kyle Trask from Florida, a solid sixth overall. So when you watch Zach Wilson, Mel, some of the plays that get made, back to your cupcake comment, um, do, do you watch a lot of it and think, I don't know if this translates to the NFL? Do you watch some of it and think, I don't know if this translates? How much of it is in question when you watch his gameplay? I think he's got a. He, I think he's got a chance. You know, if he's handled correctly, I don't know about New York. I mean, think about the pressure coming in one year of a greatness at BYU against that schedule. People talk about Trey Lance's schedule. BYU had a really easy schedule. Now it's not a one double A schedule, but for a one A schedule, that was pretty easy. And uh, and I mean, Coastal Carolina was the best team they played. So they lost that football game, and they didn't score a lot of points. 
So to me, uh, you know, he has some guys around him that, that, that are going to get a chance to play in the NFL. Uh, but I think when, when the offensive line and wide receiver and tight end. So I think you look at, at Zach, I think, I, think, I think we're just talking about him in this stratosphere of quarterback prospects. I think that's overhyping it a bit. I think he, where he was, where he was trending back a month or two ago, I agreed with. I thought he should have been in the top ten, should have been maybe in the top five. But to say he's better than Trevor Lawrence, to say he's a super elite quarterback, one of the greatest quarterbacks to come out in recent years, I think is, is just overhyping it. I, I don't get whether, where they're coming from on that one based on one year against that level of competition, but he can spin it. His arm strength is undeniable. His athleticism is undeniable. Uh, I just think, you know, come from Provo, you know, coming out you know, from BYU and that program where you played an easy schedule, going to New York with the expectations and the jet fan and everything that goes on there and the media, you know, how, dealing with that's important. And how would he deal with that? Remember, when he came out of high school, he was supposed to be going to go to Utah. His father had played there, and then Utah ended up going for somebody else. He ended up at BYU. He had a little bit of a chip there, and that emerged late. But, you know, he's kind of been a guy that, you know, has, I would say flown under the radar, but this was basically the first year that you would have ever talked about Zach Wilson as a guy who was going to be a big-time NFL prospect. Well, another guy that I, I don't know if we quite expected to be in the top 10 mix is Mac Jones. Uh, you know, being out here around Kyle Shanahan, there's just, you know, he has some commonalities with some of the guys Kyle's coached over the years. Uh, what, what do you see in Mac Jones, and how good can he be in the NFL? He's another guy. You talk about coming out of nowhere. I mean, that four starts last year, and you said in August, well, he could maybe be pretty good. Never thought he would be this, but he kind of did what a Joe Burrow did to a certain extent, uh, you know, where you took this game from one level, which was okay, you know, like a sixth round level to a, like Burrow was in August prior to that final year where Mac Jones was, and went up to 77 plus percent, was making great throws to all levels, was manipulating the pocket, was moving around in the pocket well enough to, to get the ball to those you know, great receivers he had. But even after he lost uh, Jalen Waddle, his production didn't drop. He didn't have Ruggs and Judy. They were in the NFL. So he had less than than Tua had. He had less than Hertz had in terms of talent. Okay, at the end of the year, he like I said, he had Devontae Smith, and that was it of that of the Fab Four. And he had Najee, and he had the offensive line, which was the best in college football this year, and all that. But he didn't have the receiving entities that Tua and Hertz had. Yet he was still really doing a great job. So I love his competitiveness. He's incredibly smart. He's very accurate. Now the issue with him is going to be number one, he doesn't have the big time arm. And he, obviously, his you know his mobility and ability to, to create with his legs is not anything what Joe close to what Joe Burrow was. That was the underrated part of Joe's game, and uh, that is that the dual threat ability that people want. He doesn't give you, and he has only had 17 starts, which is a, as I say, a dangerous number. Same number of starts as Trey Lance. You know, Haskins had 15, Trubisky had 13, Sanchez had about 15, 16. That's a, a dangerous number. Uh, but I think when you look at, at Mac Jones, I think the Patriots with Belichick and that Saban connection. I've always thought that was real that that could be an interest there because you see a little Brady and Mac Jones I've said he's not going to beat Brady but Brady was a late sixth round pick why because he didn't have the big arm and he didn't have the mobility he had only a, a you know you talk about a, a 40 time a 5-2-4 he had a 24 vertical which was the worst vertical of any quarterback I've ever written up in 43 years so those were the reasons why Brady was a late sixth round pick okay coming out of Michigan where he played great against the big time opponents he had a really good final year finished strong did everything right but he was a late sixth round pick why for those reasons but now we're looking at Mac Jones as a top 10 pick. So, again, is that too high? Probably. But that's just the way it is now. Well, and I said this uh, when we were talking uh, last week on one of the ESPN shows. I said to the guys, I said, hey, five of these quarterbacks go in the top 10, right? Or top nine. Like, I think McShay had all five going in the top nine in his last mock. One or two of those guys are going to be bust. And we did a bust-a-meter. Dari and I did on the 
Dari and Mel show Saturday on ESPN Radio, and I was trying to okay, who, what quarterbacks have the best the, the the best chance of being a bust? And that would be Mac Jones and Trey Lance, probably. But some would say Justin Fields, okay. Uh, so some might say Zach Wilson. Uh, you know, Trevor. I don't think anybody's going to say Trevor. But of those other four, you can you can go any way, any which way you want there. But there's I can guarantee you, I went back to 1937. It's never happened before where five quarterbacks have gone high, and all five or four of those five have been great. That ain't going to happen. So <laughs> no. you can rest assured that two of these five are going to be disappointments or busts. Mel, uh, we know you got to get to Sports Center soon. Maybe we, let's rattle through a few other names and see what you think of some of the other the other guys in the group. Uh, we'll start with Kellen Mond. What do you think? Yeah, Kellen's interesting. I saw a little Kirk Cousins in him at times where he could maybe be that fourth-round quarterback that, that can develop. And there's other times where you say, boy, he's just a career backup. Uh, you know, he was just inconsistent in terms of, of showing you that type of, of skill set. Uh, but there's some things to work with. Jimbo, as we always talk about, coaches those quarterbacks, and he, and he really works with them hard but all that. But uh, there, there's, uh, if you talk, uh, fourth round might be, to me, just a little early. I'd say more fifth, sixth round to roll the dice that maybe it comes together if he's a career backup like Colt McCoy, fine. If he's Kirk Cousins, great. Uh, so I'd say fourth to sixth round on him for a range. Kyle Trask. Oh, Kyle, uh, you know, Kyle is my solid six. Uh, you know, Kyle is you know, right in there behind the big five. And, you know, he's the kind of guy, you know, he's another guy who doesn't have the ton of starts with 22 career starts. That's right around the number you would prefer to be at, but not at it yet. Uh, you know, he had the really good year, but he had Kyle Pitts and he had Kadarius Tony. Remember when Nick Saban said, hey, we got to stop one in 84. One in 84 are tough to beat. And that's what Kyle had. Now, there were some games where I saw him stare down the primary receiver. He was fortunate against Georgia. Mark Webb had a pick six and dropped it. Uh, you know, he will do that lock one a little bit. Uh, but I think when you look at the, the escape ability, it's okay. Uh, it's not great. Uh, he's a pocket guy. Uh, he sees the field pretty well. As I said, locking on the primary guy, going through progressions at times, a little inconsistent. His, his accuracy is good. Uh, I think he's a second-round pick. You tell, I mean, to me, he's a solid two. I, I wouldn't be shocked if he went in the late first to a team like Pittsburgh or somebody like that. Uh, but I could see him being a team maybe somebody trades into the late first to get, like they did with Teddy Bridgewater and other quarterbacks at the end of the first. Lamar Jackson went 32. Teddy Bridgewater. Order went 32 or, or early to mid second. So I'd say the range for him is at 24 to say, you know, 60 area, somewhere in there for Kyle Trask, who I think has a chance to be, could be a successful starting quarterback in this league. And, they're, they're, you know, you don't know that. Like, we feel more confident about the other guys. That's why he's the sixth highest rated quarterback. But uh, he's in there. Davis Mills from Stanford's another guy. 11 career starts. That's it. But Davis Mills had a high grade coming out of high school. I remember David Shaw, when I saw Davis. But at the draft a few years ago, really thought Davis Mills was going to be really good. Now, he was good this year for the most part. He only had, the, he had four games where he was really strong. He had one off game. But Davis Mills, don't forget about him from Stanford. He's probably going to fall in there as a maybe a third-round pick right after Kyle Trask and maybe be the wow. seventh or eighth quarterback taken. Who's the better Bama wide receiver, Smith or Waddle? I'm going with Smith. I mean, Smith had the four years where even as a freshman, he caught the touchdown pass from from uh, Tua to beat Georgia. They so had three years of tremendous production. He had three years of significant improvement each year. People talk about his frame. Well, Marvin Harrison was with me at the Hula Bowl the year he came out. And Marvin was about 178, 180. And look what he did in the NFL. Uh, Devontae will not be denied. I know that. Uh, Jamar Chase is a great player. No question about that. I gave the slight edge to Devontae. Waddle is right there with him. Waddle had the fractured ankle and an opening kickoff return against Tennessee. 
came back from it. He was limping in the championship game, but he played. That tells me something. That yeah. He wanted to be out there. He didn't need to be there. He limped around in that game, right? He caught three balls, one of which was a key third down reception. Even with you know playing at what whatever percentage you want to say, but it wasn't even close to 100%. Obviously, he's limping around, coming off a fractured ankle, and he played. That's a kid wants to be out there and be great and help his football team. He's also a dynamic punt returner, which goes underrated. And Devontae had a punt return for a touchdown this year, first time returning punt. So I would give the edge to Smith, then Chase, then Waddle, but Waddle's going to go top 11. I think the furthest he drops is 11 to the Giants. Best running back in the class. I go with Najee Harris, uh, you know, and I think it's close. There's three guys that are that are at the top of the board. And it would be Najee and then, uh, and then Travis Etienne, Clemson, and then Javante Williams from North Carolina. All three are really good. Uh, they're a little different. Now, Clemson lost four starters on the offensive line. That impacted Trevor and it impacted Travis. Uh, but he's explosive. He caught the ball really well this year. I think the, the comparisons Alvin Kamara are a little exaggerated, but that's what everybody does this time of year. But, uh, you know, I think he'll go higher, obviously, than, than Kamara did. Kamara was an early third. Uh, you know, Travis, I think, will be a two. Najee's a borderline first. I love his ball security. He doesn't fumble. He caught the ball down the field. He ran hard. His body lean was excellent. Uh, he improved overall in terms of getting through traffic and staying on his feet and keeping his balance. Uh, he improved. All those Alabama kids stayed for a reason. They wanted to win a, tr- a national title, and they wanted to improve as a football player. And those kids that stayed did both those things. Improved their skill set, improved their rating, and also won a championship. So I give them total credit. So I would go Najee 1, Travis Etienne 2, and then don't forget about Javante Williams. He broke more tackles than any running back in college football this year. He had a great season. I did have Michael Carter there who's going to probably be a third round pick helping him out. But I have a, I have a solid early to mid second round grade on Javante Williams. When people see the, mo- the uh, preeminent draft analyst of the last four decades on the street, what do they say to you most? And now it's not about the hair anymore because the hair is going, going, gone. So it's not about the hair anymore. <laughs> so, you know, the hair is gone. I don't know. I, I, I hear Jimmy Clausen a little bit. I'll get Jimmy Clausen thrown at me because I was, I was one of the quarterbacks I liked to, who didn't pan out. So I always get the – and Dari Noka, my co-host on Saturday, always brings up Jimmy Clausen to me. So uh, I guess I'll never live that one down. But, uh, you know, I think that basically uh, that's it, the hair and then Jimmy Clausen is usually <laughs> the things that I get. Yeah, you, never, never positive, right? Always, they always negative, but that's that's just the way it is, you know. You still talk to John Gruden? Oh yeah, John and I, we text more. So again, everybody says, I guess I do talk to him. I, I remember yeah. I, him, I talked to my daughter when I was. I said, Oh, did you talk to this one or that? Oh yeah, I talked to them, and I found out they were texting. I, I never got <laughs> the concept of talking is not texting, guys. Okay, you know, you, you know, talk to somebody means on the phone. So John and I text, uh, you know, a decent amount during the course of the last few years since he's been there. Mike Mayock's always been a good friend of mine, and uh, those guys are building that team. What they need to do with the Raiders, and more than anything, is stay healthy. They've had terrible luck with injuries, uh, particularly the defensive side. They've used a lot of draft choices on defense, but they haven't had those guys out there together for a per- an extended period of time. That's what they need. They need Abram and Mullen and, and Damon Arnett and Crosby and Farrell and then draft some linebackers that can that can cover and tackle in space. I think uh, Jeremiah Wusu koromo would be a nice pick coming out of Notre Dame. But uh, they, they need another linebacker or two. Uh, the line, offensive line should be okay. Obviously, get Ruggs up to speak, get him to keep improving uh, and with Jacobs and with Carr uh, and Waller and that group. Yeah, add another receiver and then add a couple linebackers and maybe a safety to help out Jonathan Abram. I thought Trayvon Merrick from TCU would make sense, but they're not that far away. I mean, they are not that far away. If they can get some good luck on the injury front, have a solid draft, I think they can certainly be a wild card team next year. Mel, we'll let you get to one of the, I'm sure, 30 other things you got to do today. You're going on TV in three minutes, so we appreciate it. 
Thanks, Mel. No problem, guys. Had a great time. Enjoyed it, man. Take care. Well, John, that was uh, that was awesome. Mel Kuyper, he had what, he, what did he have today? He had Sports Center, and then he had he had multiple ESPN shows fit us in. Hardline, home telephone, no call waiting, as he told us. That's the same phone that he that he probably called Jack Elway on in 1984. Like, Jack, why won't you play for the Colts? Same phone number, Middlecoff. <laughs> Good call. Wasn't was Jack Elway the coach of San Jose State? Uh, I thought it was the coach of San. Wasn't Elway's name? Yeah, one he of definitely. The, his dad. It's, his dad it's in was the an ring of coach. He's in the ring yeah. of honor, whatever they call it there. Right? It's crazy. The Elways and the Mannings just they took a they took a hard line. We won't play for you, and it, and it worked. Uh, Mel's a legend. That was that was awesome. So Go he was the, he was the head coach at San Jose State, seventy nine to eighty three. The head coach at Stanford, eighty four to eighty eight. Damn, I mean, it just took over Stanford when John left. That's Broncos nice. scout, ninety three to ninety nine. <laughs> How do you think he got that gig? You know, a phrase that I would imagine they probably used back in the day with him. You don't hear it anymore. I don't know if you ever heard this in your scouting days. Bird dog. You ever hear that word? Bird dog? Yeah. I used to hear it when I worked at Cal Poly and I had that little area where they served alcohol at the baseball games. Yeah. A lot of bird dog, like older scouts that the players used to make fun of would come there. Or it's even guys who aren't full-time scouts. I've heard of these guys. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, They just kind of live in the area and so they bird dog. Some GM's got them. Oh, I'm bird dog in front of the Cardinals. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) Oh, yeah, they don't have anybody out here so i'm just they know i go to a bunch of uh d you know uh 2a baseball games i just bird dog who do you think have the do you think like the 22 year old scout and jack elway in like 96 had the same amount of pull in a meeting no (laughs) (laughs) i do not do you think jack came in for the meetings uh god mel was so great kyle jack that's kind of crazy small world think of how they all intersected the shanahans (laughs) when we talk to kyle one day we'll have to ask him about jack elway I'd always, I've always wanted to talk to John. Elway. I think John's, I think John's pretty fascinating. Just yeah. his business career, his, his football career. He's known as like, he's known as the greatest prospect ever. Not only was he a great player, I think that's pretty cool. Just, yeah, he's the greatest prospect ever. Really like, good baseball everyone player. Everyone considers him that. The best prospect ever. The In the Yankees. history of football. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd be so much for Mel. Uh, what uh, we? Uh, I'll tell you one little nugget I love there. How about him saying, "Have you heard this before? That the Chiefs were gonna draft Paxton Lynch. The Broncos took him. The Chiefs didn't get him, and so they take Pat Mahomes the next year." That narrative, uh, that one doesn't get pushed as much as they love Mahomes more than anybody. <laughs> I remember. I thought the Cowboys. I remember the Cowboys and Paxton Lynch. I felt like were a team that were like always yeah. connected. Uh, I, I I think that. People would be blown away. We could probably do 10 of these a team over just the last like five years. If this guy had been there, this guy Mm -hmm. wouldn't be on the team. And it's just a lot of times it never gets out. I think sometimes it's easy to laugh. Like a couple years ago, you know, Mahomes never would have been here if this would have broken. It's funny. But it just kind of, I was thinking about when you, because we were texting about it after we talked to him. It's crazy sometimes how life works out. I'd say in anything. In football, there's just a huge element of luck and timing. Like, I I think Jeff Bezos had a great line once. It was like, you know, my career is 50% luck, 50% timing. The other 20% is hard work or something. (laughs) Basically, like... That's up to 120. Well, you know, he's he's basically making fun, like 50%, 50%. There's nothing else. Like, it's not, like, everyone's working hard. Like, there's an element of... If you're not drafting number one overall, probably even number two overall, but definitely anything like past 10, think how much luck is involved with a player coming to you. All the dominoes, yeah. 
<clears throat> how many, you know, your group of players will take this group. Well, what if they're all gone? Um, yeah, you just, it, I, those stories are, sometimes they're negative, right? You know, the, the Eagles, the Russell Wilson thing still kind of carries over, but it did lead to foals. Um, I remember Connor Cook. Remember when the Raiders traded up to get him? The big thing is the Cowboys were trying to trade up to get him. And that was a disaster all the way around for everybody. Yeah. You know, you know what I love to say every time we talk about this? And I mean, I think about it all the time. Is Garth Brooks' great song. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And it's yeah. it applies to the draft all the time. And it also, it kills you sometimes. But it's, there's so much. It's, I think sometimes... We think we're a little and I'm not making some bigger statement, but sometimes I like we like to think we're a little more in control of some of the stuff going on around us than we are. Right. Control the controllables. Coaches say it all the time. It's it's hard, but it's that's a why, life that's lesson. Why I love the Bezos quote about 50 percent timing, 50 percent luck. And the other I mean, you could do 500 percent hard work. It doesn't even matter. It's concentrated so much power of will. Isn't that the lyric? You, you have to work hard. Lincoln you Park have to be in. Yeah, you ha- uh, no, that's the five percent passion, fifty percent pain, and a hundred percent reason to remember the name or something like that. The, the, yeah, that's the poor man's. It's not Lincoln Park. Oh, it's, it's not. Uh, yeah, it's another band that JJ Watt loves. was it. Bonafide? No, it was <laughs> something else. Fish music. But I, I, I also wonder too, like when you miss on a player, how often people think to themselves, like when the guy sucks, like he probably would have been better, better with us, right? Fort Minor. Fort Minor. Yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. And and I've had multiple people Which say Which might it. not be true. I've no, had I have heard Ryan Leaf say it to me multiple times and he's not he's not making excuses for why his NFL career wasn't great. He just says, "Look, I so much of it." And I've had other guys that played in the league have said it to me too. Like it's not he's it's not an uncommon thing to hear somebody say so for quarterbacks like where you go can maybe some guys can overcome being in an awful organization. But just being in an awful organization isn't the whole story. Were you in a bad organization, but you had a good coach? Were you in a bad organization? Were you in a good, good, or, goodish organization with a bad coach? Who were your receivers? What was your offensive line like? What was your confidence level? How long did you sit? You know, I think we do look at stuff and go, it was just destined to happen that Aaron Rodgers was going to become one of the all-time greats. And maybe he was. I can't say that he wasn't. But may, what if he had gone to the Browns? I just I, well, you I, think don't the, know. I think the best example of all time would probably be Steve Young, right? Who went from the polar opposites, the worst team ever, to Bill Walsh and the Niners. I actually downloaded, I mean, I bought it, the audio book. I didn't want to listen to it, but because I saw that Peter King wrote that someone had recommended to Zach Wilson like a year ago. You know, the Mormon connection. You see mm. Steve, like when you go into their athletic building, it's hard. He kind of hits you over the head, right? He's like their most. I've never been in the BYU building. It's Ty Detmer, because like when you say Ty Detmer to the average football fan, they'd be like, oh, he wasn't that good. Well, he won a Heisman, right? I mean, this guy wasn't a con- I think they won the national championship with him uh, back in like the 80s or late 80s, early 90s. Was it 90? Did they share one. it with Washington? Maybe. Maybe they did, but they were a powerhouse. And uh, he, uh, Zach Wilson just said the book was pretty powerful. It's I've, I read it this summer. I, it's a great book. Um, and one of the yeah. things that happened was he's playing for the – for the Bucks, and they're going to draft Vinny Testaverde, who, by the way, I think is was Mel's. Mel put out a list this week of his highest ranked quarterbacks ever, and it's great. Like you said, Josh Allen was ten. I think Vinny Testaverde might have been eleven or twelve. 
Yeah. Uh, the Bucks, historically cheap organization. They were going to send him to the Cardinals, and Steve was like, the hell you are, because the Bucks were the worst organization in the league. The Cardinals were neck and neck with a, a disaster. And Steve's like, I am not going there. There is no way in hell I'm going to the Cardinals. So, you know, Eddie DeBartolo sent some money to the Bucks, and they got some cash, and, and that's how Steve ended up. But then, but to your point, but then it was like, it wasn't working. Steve wanted out in San Francisco. Yeah. It was bad. Bill Walsh kept telling him, your time's coming. And it, it wasn't coming because Joe Montana kept playing. Um, I think Joe Montana had some of his best statistical years in like the late 80s, like 87, 88. If it wasn't for an injury, who knows? I mean, yep. Steve, what were you going to do? Get rid of a guy that's winning Super Bowls, kicking ass, taking names? What if Steve had been traded, but he'd been traded back to some version of the Bucks and he never got – it's just – it's wild. Yeah, I mean, it's wild. He went to the USFL first. It's crazy. Yeah. But – Anyway, now do you hear? I ho- hopefully now that we're done, you understand what John was saying at the beginning of the podcast about just having just the passion, the love, the joy. I love that. By the way, I, I we I asked him. We sprinkled in a few things. Uh, I'm glad I, Davis Mills. I was going to ask him next about. It. He just went right to it. He said third round, which I'm to me again. Davis Mills historically has two knee, knee injuries in his history, but I. I remember David Shaw was on this podcast a year ago and talked like there was no doubt in his mind Davis Mills was going to be gone after the season, which means, translation, he thought he was a first-round quarterback. I think they think if he had come back, a lot of people think if he had come back to school, he could have played his way into the first round. But he's an older guy. I think he's valued. Mel said third round. You know, I, 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 I'm not surprised to hear it, but I do think there are going to be some people going, it sounds like from Mel's feel that Davis Mills could get drafted in the third round, and some people are going to go, did you really just take this guy with like 11 starts and two knee injuries? Yeah. But that's how people do – some people do think of him really highly because he is athletic. He's got a big arm. Stanford guy's bright. David Shaw is going to go to the mat for him. So My, my guess would be people are going to – second-day talent, he ends up going the fourth round. Hard to take a guy just with a lot of question marks. It'd be hard to pull the trigger for a lot of GMs, I bet, in the third round. Though they'd go, like, God, this guy could have easily gone in, like, the top 50 picks, right? That's a lot of guys that go in the third or fourth round. I'll tell you this right now. If he goes in the fourth round, that's value based on some of the other quarterbacks historically that have gone in the fourth round. Yeah, I I tend to agree with a little. I mean, I'd be lying if I said I've watched that much of him. There hasn't been that much of him to watch, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Did Mel Kuyper just tell us everything the Raiders are going to do? He just got done telling us how he talks to John Gruden and Mike Mack all the time. And then he just named a couple players and told us all their needs. Yeah, and then we looked, uh, we did a little dig, and Daniel Jeremiah's big board has him around that 16-17 where the Raiders are picking kind of in their range, guy. Trayvon uh, Morig is 16th on DJ's big board. Uh, Jeremiah Ousu koromoa is 17th on his big board. So that's right where I also are. think, in fairness to Mayock, or, I mean, to Kuyper talking about Gruden and Mayock's team, like, what do they need? They need defensive speed, tackling, coverage. They need it all, right? There is not a position on the defense, whether it's the front seven or the back four, that if they upgraded, they drafted a player where anyone would say anything. Now, probably, I watched some of Mayock's talk a couple weeks ago. He just did, like, his 30-minute, you know, I think every GM has to talk around the combine so a lot of guys just did it from their uh you know from their facility they have invested a lot with the defensive backfield now whether those guys are good or not we don't know but arnett i give the kid a lot of credit 
breaks his thumb. He's getting concussed all the time. I that guy earned. I he's tough. Remember, he had that tackle and he landed on his broken thumb. And I remember just watching on my couch, like getting queasy. That had to hurt so bad. There's there's something to work with. That guy's tough. Trayvon Mullen. He definitely has the size. He just he got abused a little bit, but th- th- those two guys are going to be the corners. Jonathan Abram, I don't know if he's any good. I don't know if he can function in today's NFL, but they did use a first-round pick on him. He's going to get this year with Gus Bradley, right? So they got three guys in their defensive backfield. Every other player, beside probably Max Crosby, is fighting for a position, right? Like Cleveland Farrell's going to play, but... If they, they just trade Trent Brown, do they go sign Yannick Ndokwe? Do they also sign Melvin Ingram, right? He might be a backup, right? Uh, linebackers, everything's on the table. <laughs> their linebackers are terrible. So their defense, they need to improve the guys, the, the young guys they already have, the DBs. Max Crosby needs to keep getting better. Cleveland Farrell just needs to become a solid player, kind of what he is. He's never going to live up to that the billing of his pick. And then they need to add through the draft – and through free agency, impact players. Speed, to me, p- speed and power. They yeah. just they just feel bleh and slow and no one's ever around the ball. When you're a linebacker, I'll steal this from Michael Lombardi, and he's right. When your linebackers are slow, your defense is slow. I'll never forget, I mean, no one will, that when Bowman and Willis, it just felt like the Niners were shot out of a cannon. Even though they had, a, like, Justin Smith, Ray McDonald, those guys weren't really flying around. Right. But because your two linebackers make every play forever, Seattle, it's like, God, Seattle's defense not that great. But I, whenever I watch them, I'm like, God, they're better than you think. Because K.J. Wright and Bobby Wagner make, like, 20 tackles a game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The Eagles, for example, always get a lot of shit because they never draft linebackers and their defense always feels slow, even though their D-line's good, because their linebackers are nowhere to be found. Linebackers change the game, man. Look at Fred Warner, right? What he's done to the Niners' defense. Even last year with all those injuries, the Niners' defense always felt good because you're like, oh, Fred got 17 tackles. <laughs> well, John, here's the deal. They, what Mel listed, he said a couple of linebackers, Another receiver. You got to get rugs better. You need all those defensive guys he named healthy. Maybe another safety for Abram, right? These are Mel Kuyper. Uh, you're right. Anybody could, a- could Abram just- be a linebacker, like a hybrid linebacker, maybe? Um, uh, yeah, maybe. But anybody that watches the Raiders might come to that same conclusion. But we know that Mel is not just a guy that watches a team from afar, right? These are not these are educated comments he's making. But to your point, so the the, the day we talked to Mel, they trade Trent Brown. Clear a bunch of space. They owed him a lot of money. He made a lot of money. Yeah. So you you said something really important, right? Like, are they going to go spend a bunch of... Are they going to use some of that money now on a pass rusher? Which feels right. Like, the Raiders can't totally do this in the draft. They want to win now. They've got... Take they a big swing on spend. a big guy. They've got cash to spend. Remember, Field Yates tweeted this on Monday. The Raiders' 2019 free agency trade ads... Antonio Brown, three years, $50 million cut before the season. Tyrell Williams, four years, $44 million cut after two years and 42 catches. LaMarcus Joyner, four years, $42 million cut after two years, no picks. Trent Brown, four years, $66 million. Available via trade is what he wrote at the time. Now he's he's been traded. So, missed, a ton of, missed a ton of games with kind of – it felt like he was injured, but it always felt like Gruden didn't think he was injured. It got weird, right? Yeah, it got weird. Yeah. but But what I would say is like, okay – we know, to your point, we and this has been the case. For- Those guys were good. I mean, Antonio Brown was a superstar. T- Terrell Williams, in fairness to him, he got hurt. Like, sure. I think he's good. Trent Brown is good. I just felt like he hated Gruden or something. 
LaMarcus Joyner sucked for the Raiders. I like, I remember when they signed him, my buddies like in the league texting, they're like, I like this guy. Yeah. Now, but, all those guys just sucked and got I'm just saying, expect this. This is your point, right? It's like, th- get ready for this again, some version of this again. Start big names, start players, big money, go get them, let's win. They got But on paper, time. going into 19, that looked like a good crew of ads. Damn, you got AB, Terrell Williams, and Trent Brown to add to your offense? That was big time. Yeah. 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 Guy, he had just been the starting left tackle for the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and Antonio Brown had just had a six year stretch of arguably the greatest production in the history of the league. Now, now you were buying high on a guy that Shanahan and Belichick had sold on. Belichick always willing to buy back, though. He always buys back for way cheaper. It's actually pretty genius. He, He's he about like to do buys the drop stock off. for ten dollars. He sell he lets it go for fifty, and then he gets it back for like eighteen. <laughs> you know, it's really it's incredible. They just have to find a way. Because here's what we'd say about all those guys. I'd siphon out AB, but like they were not equipped to handle them, clearly, right? They're, they're just, it was a disaster. Those guys on paper were really talented. Whoever they signed now, if I say, hey, guy, they just signed Yannick and and Richard Sherman. Let's just say those two names. You'd be like, Richard can help be kind of a veteran guy for Abram and their DBs. Yannick, immediately impact player. And let's say they gave Yannick 20. And they just give Richard like one year eight. So you're like, boom, just those two guys. On paper, it's going to feel like 19. And that's how the pushback, Eric Mangini said this perfectly the other day. He's like, free agency is anything but free. And But the names are usually, because unlike the draft, once you get past like the top 10, I mean, Mel's given us names with the two Raider guys. Like I watch, you and I watch a ton of college football. I was like, who? Tasty you guy? But in free agency, it's like, damn, you just signed Allen Robinson. Every guy, if you play fantasy football, you know a lot of these names. And it just, it's actually probably more exciting than the draft after like the first round because you don't know any of those guys. But in free agency, you're like, damn, we just landed three dudes. They've been to like seven career Pro Bowls. And then it, it just, I think 33% of free agents equal what they've been before. Because I'd say there, usually there's a reason like that team is letting the guy go. And it's just in football age, right? Any guy over 30. But Yannick is a guy that's going to get a ton of money. You know, he's been now like three teams in a year. Just, I'm not saying he's not a good player, but someone's going to give him a shitload of cash. Like, I'll give you an example. Leonard Williams, who got franchise tagged today. He was headed toward a path like he was just going to be a free agent. And then remember, the Giants traded the Jets. They got him. And, and this first year, I was like, ah, I don't know. But they picked up his fifth-year option. And then all of a sudden, this year, he just had a fantastic year. He became kind of like, I think, what people thought he was going to become when he came out of USC. And what happens? He's not available. Because the Giants are like, this guy's a good player. Right. That's ideally, like, when I see guys get tagged, it's like, whether you want to keep him or not, you know this guy's really valuable. When you just go, yeah, I'm just letting him walk. You just got to be careful, right? Because I'll give you, if the Raiders or the Niners just signed Hunter Henry, Everyone be like, damn, there's got Hunter Henry? Hunter Henry? To go with Waller or Kittle? Hunter Henry? But it's like, well, why is he available? Right? He's been hurt a lot. He's not as productive as you think. And listen, I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo the excitement as fun as free agency will be with all these names. But I do think we just know. Because I, I gave the Raiders and Mayock and Gruden a ton of credit for that class. It was a disaster. No picks. Just say that but, out loud. Like, you, But Gruden here's what I will picks. say. I think one thing was known about that class, and I'm, I don't want to be revisionist history here. You knew AB was a wild card as a teammate. I'm not even counting him. You knew Trent Brown just there at the time. We said what, Kyle Shanahan and Bill Belichick sold on this guy. 
Now, Kyle, you could argue, got it wrong because Bill got a good year out of him. But the point is, he just, became the highest paid right tackle. They both knew the not to pay him. Yeah, they both decided that, right? Yes. So I think that question did exist on some level. It's not revisionist history to say that it did exist on some level. Yeah, but Terrell Williams and Joyner reviewed like that. Yeah, but uh, Joyner was a good player for the Rams, and Williams was a great player for great, strong, really good player for the Chargers. The point is not that it'll work or won't work. The point is, and this was your prediction, they're going to do something like that again. Yeah. I think that's a good example. You bring up those three or four names because I could see just them having like three names that pop. Right. The one thing with Gruden, right? He doesn't like want Guy Haberman the backup for the Ravens. Like he's going to want Richard Sherman. He's going to want Melvin Ingram. He just, the thing with Gruden, he talks and acts and then backs it up. Like it's just. He is not the pattern talking exists. out of one side of his mouth. Like, it's pretty clear who he's going to go after, right? Yeah. yeah. Mel just told us. <laughs> yeah. But in the draft, like, we don't know. Wouldn't yeah, but he can't get all those guys Richard in the draft. Sher- huh? I'd expect Richard Sherman to be on the uh, on the Raiders. Would not surprise me. And I wouldn't hate it. No, I don't hate it either. But there's a chance, like, Richard just gets hurt week two. Don't love him playing on turf half the season. No. And maybe they think he could, like, kind of move, play a hybrid safety corner. They could use – I mean, they – yeah, Look, they they're further along, much further along than the Niners were when they signed Richard Sherman, but they could use Richard Sherman. Well, if you were Mayock and Gruden, you'd go, we got these two corners. They're both 22, 23 years old. We need them to become really good players. Isn't Richard worth a little more to them just to have him around, whether he's playing Yeah, or that's not, what I'm saying. Even though two guys? they are further along than the Niners were at the time, that role still, it does feel like their defense could use that guy. I think they need it desperately. They do need him I on honestly, the field to fill that role, though. Yeah, which last year, you know, he got banged up. Do you, th- do you think it's it's going to be difficult for Richard probably at this point in time his career just to stay healthy just because I think older DBs, it's a, it's, you know, your, your like quick twitch muscles are the things you pull, the calves, the quads, and it's like you can't play at 75% like you can, like a like Richie Incognito. It's like, is he 100% or is he 50? You don't even notice. But with a DB, it's like, and Richard's already not a speed guy. That's where I think you could justify, like, listen, Richard, we'll overpay, but we're not even counting on you to play, even though we'd like you to play. They just need him to be around. I think he's pretty valuable to the Raiders. If they view those guys need a lot of help for not a non-coach, just a guy that they can look up to. Yeah, right. but it's not risk-free because, as Mel said, there is the injuries have really derailed them. And Sherman's injury was a part of the Niners' derailment last year. Well, I mean, Arnett felt like had seven concussions and a broken hand, right? Abram missed his whole rookie season. And last year, remember, he missed a, oh, he missed a Corona game. He, got, yeah. he kind of got screwed yeah. on the one. Butcherbox.com slash ham helps you make good decisions. Last night, I was thinking about ordering out. And then I reached into the freezer, grabbed some ground beef, and all of a sudden, it was homemade taco night. With Butcherbox, you don't have to worry about what's for dinner. ButcherBox is offering all of you your choice of weeknight meal essentials. You get peace of mind with ButcherBox because it's high-quality meat and seafood you can trust. You get the ultimate convenience because it's delivered right to your door with free shipping, as always. And you get the ultimate customization. Your customization might be, I don't know what to do. Send me the good stuff. And they send you the good stuff. Curated. Right now, go to ButcherBox.com ham and use the code ham. And you'll get either three pounds of chicken thighs, two pounds of ground beef, or one pound of premium steak tips for free in every order for a year. 
plus $20 off your first order. Sign up at butcherbox.com ham and use the code ham to choose your free offer and get $20 off. I'm going to give you the same advice I gave my buddy who just called me recently because he was getting a vasectomy. He just came from the doctor. They said they told me I got to shave. I said, gotta get to more like it. And I sent him the lawnmower 5.0 from Manscaped. It's going to be the MVP for him and for you this March. Go to manscaped.com and use the code HAM to get 20% off and free shipping. Get the Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, and you'll be the Cinderella story of March. The lawnmower 5.0 is strong until the last stroke with a battery that lasts the entire tournament, a waterproof design, and interchangeable skin-safe blade heads that guarantee smooth ball handling every time to top it off the performance package throws in two free gifts boxers 2.0 and the new toiletry bag so get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code ham at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping manscaped.com code ham when things get hairy make sure to call on manscaped in clutch time get on the prize picks app just like me and use the code ham 50 for a first deposit match of up to 100 football season's over but hoop season is getting hot, tournament season, or the fight for playoff home court. There's no shortage of high-stakes basketball moments this time of year. So get in on the excitement with Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app. And you can get it on baseball, too. I've got some season-long more or less picks on multiple stat projections on home runs. Uh, not off, Not feeling great about Shohei less than 38.5 right now, but... I put that one in the app just because I wanted something to root against with the Dodgers. Prize Picks offers injury insurance so that your entries stay live even if one of your players get injured. So hoops, somebody leaves in the first half, no problem. Injury insurance. And on Prize Picks, you can win up to 100x your money with as little as four correct picks. I love it. It's download the app today. Use code HAM50 for the first deposit match of up to $100. Today's episode is sponsored by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. NerdWallet's trusted financial journalists use fact-based reporting for some much-needed clarity in the finance world. The nerds will help you get smarter about balancing your portfolio and avoiding scams so your money is just as safe as betting against the Cowboys in the playoffs. Planning your tax bill so you don't dread April every year. And saving on travel. Vacations coming. You spend less on airfare, it means you're not choosing between surf or turf. It's surf and turf for dinner and maybe even an extra night stay. So listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. All right, John, let's get to something that uh, Mel said about Kyle Shanahan and Justin Fields. And the most underappreciated people in America, NFL scouts, John. I know. I love it. Yeah. He's right. I mean, give him his due, guy. He's right. And it's always these. I, I saw a football scoop article today. College wide receiver coaches are making seven, eight, nine hundred grand. I got buddies working a decade in the league, pounding the pavement, making 90, 100 K. What, what, what's going on here, guy? We have pay discrepancies. Filling, uh, they just all they have to show for it is a Honda Accord with the empty Copenhagen tins in the backseat. <laughs> I know. And a bunch of maybe know, a Chevy Malibu. with their team logo hanging on it. Yeah, it'd be like a <laughs> Ford Fusion. You'd, you'd want a good gas mileage. Yeah, there's just nothing but hangers all over Tesla, the backseat. Tesla doesn't make any sense. It'd run out of juice, right? Yeah, plus the teams wouldn't get it for you. No, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so Fields. Part of the reason he believes, and you and I have talked about this, part of the reason he likes Justin Fields to the Niners, it sounds like, is part of the reason he would like a lot of guys to the Niners because he believes in Kyle Shanahan. Because he thinks if a quarterback 
goes to Kyle Shanahan, he has a better chance to succeed. And it, it kind of brings the anticipatory scouting together because what he's saying is if I'm scouting for Kyle Shanahan, I'm going, this player, Kyle, this is a guy that you will like. This is a guy that you can make flourish. Well, I, I, this is why I put the three of them in a clump together. Now, I'm not saying they parallel their games together. I'm just talking about physical tools, ceiling, sky high. Josh Allen, he was a big project. Took him a couple years, but as Mel told us in the interview, his second year, and I remember talking to Sean McDermott at the Combine, second year was solid. It wasn't His deep ball accuracy wasn't great, but he improved dramatically short and intermediate. Then what they do his third year? Got digs, rest is history. He was like a legitimate MVP candidate this year, right? Herbert was just this raw tool guy, but it was the personality. But I don't think anyone thought his tools were going to translate like that. And it was like, holy moly. And it translated. And both of those guys immediately are viewed as two of the most toolsy players in the league at quarterback, right? Like you would just say Justin Herbert, Josh Allen have more tools than like Deshaun Watson, than Russell Wilson. Like they they have elite tools. Even like older Aaron Rodgers still's got it, but he's not what he was when he was like 28, right? That's what those guys are just... Mahomes and then like those two fields I don't know if quite is that elite tools but he's kind of behind them of just I think his ceiling's really high but he needs some work and you need to mold him and it's like well the scouts always say well fucking let's coach him up you guys are making all this money I say it all the time guy these coaches I'm not talking shit about Kyle or whatever because I think he does it but coaches all over the league offensive court there's not an offensive coordinator in the league that does not make seven figures there's not a quarterback coach in the league that probably makes less than 700 grand. You're paying these guys so much money and they spend so much time in their little, probably some are little, some are big offices in the dark, watching film and knowing the offense. Like you need a coach. It's what, why Andy's so great. It's why, it's why Sean Payton's so great. They can coach, you know, and I, I just, Kyle can, but I think he's limited himself over the years with like lower ceiling guys. And I think now is the time to just take a higher ceiling guy and mold. I, You know, he did a pretty good job with Jimmy, who had some tools, but he just has some limitations. Like, J- Jimmy is not like C.J. Beathard, right? He has a much higher ceiling than that. He's much more physically gifted, but it's relative to the rest of the league. He's not like, I wouldn't even say he's like not as gifted as like Dak, you know? His gifts aren't great. They just yeah, need I to mean, get a guy with a really high ceiling. It's like, we. I think you and I do... We talk about what they have to prove or player evaluation. I don't have many doubts about Kyle Shanahan, the coach. I, I think I, I'm probably – I think you're with me, but I'm definitely on the high end on a pretty extreme side of belief in Kyle Shanahan as a coach. But I, I don't – I mean, it's not – I think people like him, clearly. It's, I'm not on some – I'm not pretending like I'm on some island. But it does feel like we talk about him as if he's one of the elite race car drivers in the sport – and like somehow, for whatever reason, insists on driving a car that, you know, it doesn't go as fast because he likes the control around turns or something. I, I don't know NASCAR enough to make the analogy fully, but that's kind of what we say about him, right? It's like, hey, man, let's see you now in a car that that is brand new, that has all the newest stuff in it, that goes just as fast as anybody else's and is a little harder to control. But those are the cars that win consistently or those cars. So let's go for broke here. Uh, instead of like a bunch of top five finishes in some races, let's see if we can win one. Let's see if we can win the big one. Um, I, I think that's, again, that analogy probably doesn't work perfectly, but I think that's kind of what we're saying. And I'm with you because I think with quarterbacks, especially we talk in, 
you know, um, extremes, did you nail the pick or was it a bust? Because after four years or five years, you're in the Cowboys situation where you better be one of the two. Otherwise, you're paying a guy $40 million who's not a carrier. And I, yeah. we'd love to see Kyle, you know, get away from the guys. Now, he made Matt Ryan. You know, they paid him like a carrier. They got to the Super Bowl. They could have won a Super Bowl with him. But they didn't. It wasn't Matt Ryan's fault. No, no, no. I'm not blaming Matt Ryan. Hard. Matt Ryan, the game has also changed since Matt Ryan's prime. Right. For sure. But Matt Ryan was, he was a number one. I, I think you're not going to get any argument. Matt Ryan hit. They drafted him. Number one, number two overall. And they nailed the pick. Th- it might have been three. Or three. Or they nailed the pick. Right? Yeah. Nailed the pick. Best. I mean, it's arguably the best player in the history of their franchise. Right? It wasn't his pick, but they nailed that pick. Yeah. Yeah. I Here's what I think about when we talk about Kyle. Like, his comp, his we deal with players all the time. Like, who's this? Who's Brandon Ayuk like? Maybe he can be like... You know, this player. With Kyle, it's Kyle and McVay. They they just they are each other's comp, right? Young guys, offensive dynamic guys, hired the same year. They work together. Uh they now just happen, just work out. They coach in the same division. They've coached against each other eight times. We talk about Kyle and McVay like they're equals. They both went to a Super Bowl and lost. The difference is Sean McVay is 43 and 21 in four years. Kyle is 20, 29 and 35. And here's another reality. This year, even if you go, well, John, he inherited a better team. Actually, the Rams sucked when he inherited them. They did have more talent on the roster for sure than the Niners. But I think the last couple years showed like McVay's ceiling was just a lot higher with this team. And unlike the thing that Kyle does that McVay doesn't is Kyle is the boss of the organization. Sean, you know, Demoff has a lot of juice. Les has a lot of juice. Nothing happens. Let me repeat. Absolutely nothing happens in the 49ers building without Kyle signing off on it. That, that is, that's not an opinion. That's a fact. And this year, for example, McVay went, I can't do this anymore. After they had won a playoff game, they had finished 10 and six. They were right there to win the division. They go to Seattle, which as we know out on the West coast, all these division games, I can't imagine what it would be like for a Kyle Seattle game in the playoffs. Like that's a big deal. Even Corona empty place. Like that's a big deal. Ram Seattle first round kicked his ass and he, and obviously when the season ends this guy's not good enough and what did they do they kind of put their nuts on the table and took a pretty crazy swing unloaded golf and got stafford which we had been talking like the niners are gonna get stafford the niners are gonna get stafford no the rams got him so now it's like well their team is stacked so he's he's 43 and 21 i think them and the bucks are and we'll see what happens like with the packers offseason the saints don't have a quarterback they're easily one of the best teams in the NFC. If the Rams were to win the NFC and get to the Super Bowl, it's very believable as we sit here right now in March. That's who the Niners are like. That's his who he's going up against. And he's got Matt Stafford, who, while he feels like he's 40, he's actually only like 33. Their team is stacked. Like, this is Kyle's part of putting your nuts on the table isn't just because they need to be aggressive. Part of it's just the fucking division. And your rival is just way better than you. Like, the, you, your division does matter in football. Right, you can say you don't dictate off what other teams do in the league for sure, but teams in your division, like you're trying to keep up with the Rams, you're yeah. trying to be what they've become, consistently good. Yeah, yeah. Although, I mean, I, I don't think you, I don't think you can allow that to dictate to a too great of a degree. But it absolutely, yeah. But part it's, of it, it's, that's why they're going to keep winning, right? That's that's the formula to win. You, you need to see high end players, 
at specifically a quarterback. Yeah, the other the other part of it is that this is already part of the Niners story is not drafting Deshaun and not drafting Mahomes. So if you don't draft a high-end guy this year and they turn out to be good, it's another part of the story. If the guy, if your alternative guy... Now, I mean, someone would argue, well, Darnold's got, Darnold's got tools, so do that. Okay, you know, you and I don't love him, but it's, but it's kind of the same idea, although he's... I don't think one he's thing I, I've guy. tried to make a personal philosophy just in life because I, I think it's human nature to hold on to things in the past is not to worry about things five years ago, 10 years ago, two years ago. Like the present is the present. We're moving forward. That is part of their story. It's over. Part of the Ram story was like overpaying Goff and they pivoted like it's the great. I'd say the great part about the NFL is your story doesn't have to define you like make a move. No, no, no. Of course, of course not. I know what you're saying. I'm just saying this up a lot. This is eventually all these things add up. And at some point it comes time for a contract extension or a firing. And these are all parts of it. And I don't think we're close to that now. I'm just saying this is part of it. But I'm giving the Rams credit like, you know, part of their story was paying Gurley way too early. Whatever. No, you know? there's no yeah, there's no doubt. But and I shouldn't even say it's part of the firing the higher the future. I'm just if they're going to win a Super Bowl because they've been to one. So that's the next if they're going to consistently be a playoff team, if they're going to win the division, what's going to stop them or what's going to help them from getting there? The di- the difference though is their team is just dramatically not as good as that team because it was just like peak of the money with the guys. They, their team, their defensive line was loaded. Richard Sherman was an All Pro, was a Hall of Famer, was on their team. It's like it's going to be hard to duplicate the talent for sure that they had on that team moving forward. I just and know this: so they like, need a quarterback, John, if they're going to be good. Just let's just use the word good. If they're going to be really good, be a playoff. Well, team. that that's my, that's my point. Need that team was able to get to a Super Bowl with a quarterback that was probably like fifteenth in the league. You know, between fifteen and ten that year on a given week but definitely not like a top 10 quarterback. That's not the case anymore because their team is not going to be that good. So they're going to need a guy with a high-end skill set. And I think the Rams, that's why I keep using the Rams analogy, they realize like we can't maintain the depth of our roster. So we can't have a quarter. We can't get to the Super Bowl with a six. Now we're not going to be able to acquire a 10, right? We're not going to get Aaron Rodgers, even though I think the Rams called. But if we can get an eight in Stafford or an eight and a half, like that might be the difference. To me, the Niners, same deal. Made the Super Bowl with a six. They, if they, if you, they rolled back a six this year, even Jimmy Garoppolo, yeah, they might get to nine and eight or whatever the record would be, right? The 17 games. But they ain't going 13 and three because their team's just not as good. And remember, early in that season, their defense a couple games, that's just not going to be the case. Now, if you give them a higher-end quarterback, maybe that's the difference of getting to 11, 12 wins. And it might with a rookie, it's a little complicated because it might not happen or whether they evaluate, they think uh, Darnold's upside's better. But I think the point of what Mel's saying is like, you are not going to say if you do acquire a guy that's like that's a big swing. No, like with Stafford to the Rams, no one's going to say. Well, I don't know if they have the infrastructure to coach him. The right, number one right. thing you'd say is like, God, is that guy? If Sam Darnold is traded to the Niners tomorrow, next week, and a month, the first thing everyone's going to say is he should thank his lucky stars. He got he got a second reprieve, and it's to Kyle Shanahan. Yep. Right. Yep. Because I think that's what everyone said about Matt Stafford. Like Matt Stafford's pretty lucky; he ends up around Sean now. Right, right, right. We'll say, we'll say, if it's gonna work, this is where. If 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 Darnold's got it in him, he this is where he can prove it. If it doesn't work here, if it doesn't work in a year or two, and and Darnold's on his way to another team, I think people will say, well, it didn't work with Kyle Shanahan. Why will it work with somebody else? Because the one thing no one would say about Jimmy is he hasn't had the best coaching, right, from the jump. Yeah, bet you're talking about first Belichick <laughs> and Brady and Josh career. McDaniels, and he's, then yeah, absolutely. 
It's like, who's he dated? Well, Cindy Crawford, and then he went to uh, Tyra Banks to uh, Giselle. Like, it's like, it's the cream of the crop for Jimmy. No one will ever be like, well, I think he was, he wasn't quite getting the, the, the message probably there. No, yeah, it was, that ain't the case, which is the Sam Darnold, that is the case, right? Or even I think with college guys, now. it's like, well, they didn't have the time with Justin Fields. They're just trying to win a national championship. They only have 20 hours a week. It's just, it's just different couple other things john by the way we did a uh, immediate reaction to the dak prescott contract go to our youtube channel haberman and middlecoff on youtube to uh see what we think about that uh hint we think it's nuts and that the cowboys can't win a championship with a 42 million dollar quarterback but a lot of money so someone's like middlecoff your takes on dak are outrageous his cap hit this year is only 22 mil it's like uh, i don't it's not even about the cap hit this year it's more just that's the, the amount of money is pretty crazy what else we got a bunch of tags on monday monday at one pacific was the tag deadline chris godwin tagged not the worst thing for his career to get i think the estimates around 17 million dollars and come back with brady yeah for sure i mean i i think what he would tell you is i just won a super bowl with tom i could probably get amari cooper contract on the you know or 50 million dollars on the open market guaranteed that's where it sucks right for him specifically he just won a championship it's like, well, I just accomplished what I accomplished. Time for me to get paid now. Especially at his age. What's he, 24 years old? I think he got banged up a little bit this year. I I could see him specifically. Some of the, like Allen Robinson. Sometimes guys, though, get tagged to get traded. Like, just because you get tagged does not mean you're a lock to come back. Right. right? Yeah. I think I mean, you see multiple guys tagged and traded every year. You just don't want to let the asset walk for free. Like, I, I don't know if the Bears are for sure keeping Allen Robinson. Maybe they just didn't want to let him hit free. I thought he didn't want to be there. He doesn't. So don't, that's, yeah. Makes sense. Hunter, Hunter, there, there a lot of stories today that were like, the Seattle Seahawks are not tagging Shaquille, Griff, uh, Shaquille Griffin or Chris Carson. Like, uh, yeah, I could have told you that seven months ago. There's like, Carl Lawson for the Bengals has not been tagged. Yeah, the Bengals were not going to tag anybody. There were a lot of tags, though. There were. I Marcus mean, Williams, Williams got tagged. Leonard Williams got tagged. I actually, I'm glad Leonard Williams, just his career is kind of materialized. Because for a couple years there with the Jets, it was like, you know, he doesn't do anything. I just I, I just root for some of our guys out West Coast, even though he's technically, I think, a Florida guy. But he, uh, uh, he's kind of turned himself into yeah. like a Buckner type no, player. No, definitely an SC guy, yeah. Kyle Long is back. <laughs> yeah. It's not that crazy when you think, you know, he sat out the year. It was the COVID year. Some people did sit out years last year, you know. He had, he had been really out. banged up. I, I I do wonder the Gronk guys, Gronk, him, when you have so many injuries, your body probably hurts so bad. And unlike Andrew Luck, where you have this unlimited amount, it feels probably like in the bank. If you're Kyrie, you're like, God, maybe I could still play a couple years and make, you know, $15 million over two years, make like six, seven a year. Like, I, honestly, the Niners, fantastic athlete, uh, tough, physical. He's a Pro Bowl level guard. He went from when Chip Kelly signed him with the Oregon, that was when I was scouting the West, he never played football. Because remember, he went to Florida State to be a pitcher. He had like an alcohol incident there, got kicked out. Mm -hmm. He went to like junior college. Then he ends up at Oregon. Well, their team's really good. He's not a starter. By like midseason, I think he was kicking ass in practice. They just made him like a starter at guard. By the end of the year, he's a first-round pick. He played like half a season in college football. Half a season, first-round pick. That's incredible. Last time I checked, Howie Long's got pretty good genetics. A <laughs> uh, couple other things. How about, so we had the story, was it Monday, that 
Jeffrey Lurie, the owner of the Eagles, doesn't want a quarterback. He wants to develop Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And they're drafting at six, right? Yep. To me, then I read, and I know you got a theory on that, and only because you told me your theory, my antenna's up now. Apparently, the GM of the Lions, Brad Holmes, said the Lions are, quote, absolutely not discounting drafting a quarterback this year. Falcons general manager said something kind of similar. Like, we are not. Just because we got Julio and Matt Ryan doesn't mean we can't take a wide receiver or quarterback at four. So everyone, so this is... I just don't think you ever want anyone to feel like they can, they know what you're doing. Right. Even even if it's like, yeah, we're just going to take Devontae Smith at three. Right, if you're the Dolphins. Let's just say you're going to keep Tua, and you just announce, we're going to take Devontae Smith at three. Who cares? Like, yeah, okay, take him. But I just, you, you never feel like you want to know what people think what you know what you're doing. Yeah, right? it's like it's it's 6.30 on a Saturday night, and you haven't committed to anything yet. Like, I just want to see how the night plays out. I could go here, could go there, could go there. Well, because in fairness, my options right, open. You'd, be like, you'd be like, well, we're, we're in love with Panay Sewell. And they're like, well, we really need to get a quarterback. Uh, yeah, it's going to take an extra second round pick, right? It's going to take your first this year, second this year, and, and a second next year, right? Or we're just going to take this guy. So that's part of it. Like you never like the, the analogy of leaving your house. Like you don't want to commit to something if you don't truly know. And the difference is offers come and it's like, hey, you want to go? Uh, we're going to play Olympic tomorrow. Are you in? I'm like, yeah. I am. <laughs> you don't have to cancel anybody. You know, you want to be a good yeah. person. Uh, April 29th, John. April 29th. What's that? That's the, that's the NFL draft. Just just a reminder. I'll, maybe I'll say it on every podcast. Just April 29th. Just that's uh it's not that far away it, it's not that far away it's also not tomorrow yeah we, we got about six and a half weeks of kind of ballparking it one two three four five six oh i'm in the i'm in the wrong month <laughs> i was i was in like coming May, up on dude. march on thursday march uh one, 11th two, three four five six yeah, about six and a half weeks so six so, I mean, weeks we from thursday is that what it is good time to let some buzz yeah Six weeks from Thursday. Okay. It's the final countdown. Not really. Thursday, Friday. Yeah. Friday is the Trey Lance Pro Day. So lock in for that. Could be the greatest Pro Day you've ever seen. You never know. Never know. All right. Uh, any, anything else we need to uh, pump out uh, today? No, today was cool. I yeah. can't lie. You know, uh, tell your friends awesome. you heard Mel Kuyper Jr. and send them the link. We appreciate that. Yeah. Share it with your people. All right. Good work, everybody. Have a great uh, middle of the week. A couple days. Yeah, we'll see you later.